I think if you don't have that, it's going to be really hard to make your second cafe or your third cafe good. In terms of business strategy, those are really, really poor numbers. you got to like really love the coffee industry to get into the coffee industry. Welcome back to the Valor Coffee Podcast, formerly known as Coffee Sometimes Podcast. This week, we cover the blistering topic of scaling your coffee business. Should you do it? Why would you do it? Should you open a roastery? Should you open multiple cafes? What was our story here? Why did we do it? What have we learned along the way? All of these questions answered and a fair amount of banter back and forth between the three of us because I think we just missed each other a little bit. You know, I wasn't on the program last week, so it was good to catch up with the boys. If you would like to support the Valor Coffee podcast and just our company in general, we have a lot of great products on our web store, namely fellow opus fellow ode other stuff like the stuff i'm pulling up on my phone right now aeropresses fellow stag akaya pearls freaking socks lots of stuff that you can buy on our website i know for me when i am buying my guitar strings because i play guitar like it's not a big deal but i whenever i buy my guitar strings i purposely drive to this local guitar shop here in roswell called righteous guitars shout out and get my strings there because while i can't afford a three thousand dollar guitar there i can afford to get strings there and I get them there instead of at Amazon because I want to support that local business. So whenever you are looking for Christmas gifts, or holiday gifts this year, and you want to buy some coffee gear, pop over to our website or one of our cafes and get one of our grinders. We have some great products that we use in our cafes every day and are trusted. This conical burr grinder, I know it's kind of uh, the Baratza Encore was, I know the conical burr grinder that I've used for years, but this one's been awesome. It's a huge upgrade from that. Pop over to the website and see what we got. And as always, if you are a first-time listener, we appreciate you joining on. Enjoy the content. And if you like what you hear, if you like what you're watching, definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. The algorithm, you know, it's it's elusive and we want to get this program out to the world. So if you'll do that, that'll really help us out and help us please the algorithm and everyone else in the world. Thanks for joining in. Let's get to the show. Hey, welcome back, Ross. Thank you. Cheers. How was your Halloween? Um, It was great. We just moved to a new neighborhood and... Uh, it's lit. You live in a golf community now. We live in a golf community. We live in the townhomes in front of the golf community. So it, it ain't like You're like that. the outcasts. Yeah, it's kind of like the Middle Ages. There's you have like the serfs and the lords. Right. Yeah. So you're out front. I'm totally following that. Um, yeah. Like they they get sacked first. Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. You're kind of on the front lines. Yeah, if you if you own a coffee shop, like you're you're living in the townhomes in the golf <laughs> community. And we'll talk about that later. We'll get to that later. But um, did you guys behave without me? Like, was everything fine? Did did a lot okay, of people comment? Did you listen to the episode? I did listen and I commented. I saw the yeah. comment. I was just seeing if it was all for show or if you actually did. What was it about? Um, it was about under extraction and how to fix it. Okay. And I thought you guys did such a great job. You were a lot more like, you were a lot more serious mm-hmm. without me, mm-hmm. especially I'm, you, Ethan. Well, I was wearing a suit. So, oh, yeah, including the suit. I kind of had to because it was Halloween, of course. Ethan's dad did comment, yeah, like, finally looking decent, you know. Yeah, I think he said, hey, very, I think he said, very dapper, Ethan, or something like that. Yeah, wow. I think Colson commented. Any point of the story <laughs> is we, we look at the comments, and I think I'm gonna start commenting more on my personal, on your personal, like on your personal like videos. Boring. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, on these videos. Just from, from my your personal. personal. I see. Nice. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. But yeah, with that, we like it when we get questions down there. We're honored. Q and A. That's what we're talking about. So if you've got questions, throw them in the comments. Hey, speaking of Q and A, I don't know if we want to get to this right now, but we have a special guest next week who goes by the name Will Schertz. Um, founder? It, whether or not that's his real name. We're, we, that's one of the things we'll kind of uncover. To be seen. Is his real name? Is there Will like Schertz? speculation around the industry on like? We saw some Sprudge <laughs> articles that were like, "Is this Sprudge gossip name? column?" Yeah, they've got a whole column. It's Dang, nasty okay. out there. Jeez. Uh, we're gonna have him on the program next week. So, if you have any questions for Will or Methodical in general, send them our way. Mm. It'll be a great episode. Will is the darling of the coffee industry. I would say. I think we're gonna try to uncover his dark side, though. Yeah. 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 Press into like. Is Will your name, yeah. and what's your dark side? And who's your least favorite person to work with, and mm. why? Yes. Yeah. And if it's us, we get it. Totally. He's like, it's, like, it's th- you guys it's like today. this moment right now. Yeah. That would be fun. I'm excited to talk to him. It's been a long time coming. Dude, is that a new hat? Speaking of our old days small talk. This is a new hat. Uh, I've been eyeing it for a little bit. It reminds me of Chance the Rapper. What? Because it's like tall? No, I think he wears that color. Mm, really? With his three hats. Did you have it in your Notion app of like yeah. the one that like purchases that you wanted to, to get to eventually? Yes, I did. I was able to check that one off. Did it feel good? It felt good. It yeah. felt good. It's, it's funny when you want something that's not super expensive and you just don't buy it for a long time. Yeah. But I guess if you bought everything you wanted, you wouldn't be in a very good place. I guess right. you, you wouldn't have, you know, like anywhere to put all of it. True. Because, yeah. But yeah, I, one of my biggest struggles is I love to wear black shirts. Mm. And Case in point. I only had one hat that worked with black shirts and it was my red Falcons hat. And I don't, red isn't my favorite color. It's bold. Heck, I would say it's one of my least favorite colors. It's Ross's favorite color. That's not true. Uh, yes, it uh, is. So I just needed something else that would work with black. So as you can tell, I wore my black shirt. And this is working like crazy. You don't like to mix navy and black? I don't, know. I've done it. I've done it. I feel like you can do it with maybe a pair of navy pants and a black shirt. But I feel like black shirt, navy hat, you just look like you're you're just an idiot. Like Like you're nothing. Don't leave the house. Yeah. Don't leave. You guys remember being uh, younger and learning about style, like in your formative years. Hmm. Like I remember being told black and brown makes you frown. Like don't mix those colors. And I was like, lock it in. Never going to do that ever. (laughs) I kind of remember learning like, you know, like don't wear white after Labor Day. There's that. Mm -hmm. That's Um, just weird. First off. Yeah. Well, I don't really stick to it. If your shirt's tucked in, you got to be wearing a belt. Yep. Yeah. yeah well, that's not true. I think it's true. I it's don't. It's not true. Style subjective, Riley. I think it, I think it looks a little silly if you aren't wearing a belt. What about with a in. suit? Yeah, exactly. Even more Come silly. Come on, Riley. What about last week? You're gonna tell me you would wear a suit? I do most weekends. Ross, buddy. It's a tailored look. It's specialty. It's a tailored you're show, look. You're showing off how you don't it's need bespoke. a belt. The only time you're allowed to do that is if you're wearing suspenders. Well, if you're wearing well, a, he's a, a suit wearing jacket, 
this under his shirt. Do you remember when I wore suspenders in high school? Yeah. Like as like a that was hipster thing. I I guilty guilty as you charged. did too. Dang, dude. Okay. Some things you look back With and my you're Levi like, 510s. you know, I deserve to be made fun of for that one. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm glad I was made fun of because I, sh- I shouldn't have. I'm not advocating for. If bullying. you wear suspenders out there, you do you. But yeah, it was just the mix of all of it for me. I had this again. Nothing against fedoras. I had a fedora, but I got a big head, and it would it would kind of like be. It, it wasn't like a fedora, like a Jason Mraz fedora, where it's like you know fitted. It was more like a like a like a back of the head vibe. I remember some kids uh, calling me Jiminy Crickets. Oh yeah, stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. I got made fun of a lot, but it's fine. Like I don't think it really affected me As, like, it, at all. Like I'm fine. It's really <laughs> funny to go into into Dawsonville now and see the type of kids running around who are I way more. I you know, there's a lot more kids who fit with the trends of the times than there were back then. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, yeah, because TikTok, we were hipsters, Click yeah. right? And hipster is different than trendy. You know. Yeah. And now everyone's trendy. Including the hipsters? I think including the hipsters, but just like in a different way. Because everything is cool now. You just got to rock your look. Psychedelic, hippie, mm. grunge, punk, It's like 80s. they say, everything is awesome. Yeah, it, I think that is the, really the pivotal change when that song came out. Everything is <laughs> that awesome. That was like an epoch that like we can look back on. Everything is cool. Good movie. You guys like that movie? Team. Ever seen it? I don't even know what it's from. It's from the Lego movie, oh, dude. Oh, Ross. Okay. Dude, Giselle. From the Lego. Gis- <laughs> Listen, I'm the guy who, who doesn't know the movie that people are talking about. Your kids would You're love the Lego movie. Is there conflict? Yes. Would Giselle be scared? No. It's uh, Legos, she, dude. Oh, well, okay. Is there She's, conflict? <clears throat> what movie is there not conflict? Give me one movie where there's not there conflict. There are shows without conflict, and Giselle loves them. Well, what? I guess. Like, like, like things where, where things are going right. It's like <laughs> it's like this is a good day, uh, you know, and like we're doing stuff. All media revolves around the three act story, which inevitably has conflict. Go there, and that's where we're there. heading today. <laughs> and How that's to, the topic of this the program: the three act story of your coffee shop. <laughs> it's mostly conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. We're fine. We're silly. Stay loose. Hey, stay loose, guys. Do you guys want to ask me any questions about my big trip? Mm, no. Oh, man. So, okay. You went on a trip recently, yeah? Because wow. I feel like you were kind of gone. I was gone. I, I just thought that we didn't <clears throat> run into each other for a few days. Ships in the night. Yeah. I mean, we are a multi location business, so we can just so, get lost. Um, let's see. Four, no, eight of my closest friends all moved to Montana that's at the right. same time. That's right. And one of them, Dale, who used to work here, uh, drove to or need, needed to drive the truck, the trailer with all the stuff to Montana last week. Now you take over. St- I went with Dale. Way, way to tee that one up. Yeah. Uh, Dale, if you're listening, this go to bed. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, we drove. Because <laughs> of the time, like the time difference? Or just, oh, it's what people say at the Oscars when they get an award. They're like, I want to. Oh, I, if my kids are yeah, listening, if my go kids to bed. are here. Yeah, no, I, I think everyone got that. That's good. Well, you asked a clarifying question. Only so. that watches the Oscars. That is true. I don't watch the Oscars. Guys, comment you below. Used okay, to. Okay, on. I've seen the Oscars. I'm sorry. 
All Sue right. me. Dude, tell your story so we can move no, on. Oh, there's nothing to say. I just drove across the country. You camped every night. Camped every night. Slept on a nugget couch. Slept on a <laughs> What's a nugget couch? Dude, you're the one that should know about a nugget couch. It's like four kids. It's like a foam multi-pad. Dude, you have kid too. My kid is not at nugget couch oh, level. you can like disassemble it? Yeah. And then they can climb on it and stuff? Yeah. Rachel just showed this to me. Oh, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to know. Yeah, so we took the nugget couch out of the trailer and folded it out in the tent. So the Ellis's have a nugget couch. The, yes. Well, don't say that on it. <laughs> People are going to find out. They're going to try. Sorry, that's personal. I will not say their address. You cannot go take their nugget couch. Well, everyone knows they live in Montana. So. Dude, tell the story Easy. of what happened on the way down or up or like over. The crazy the circumstance? Crazy. Yeah. Well, day three, we busted day one and two so we can just cut day four of driving so we've driven a lot we camp in wyoming we wake up we go see the devil's tower if anyone's familiar what's that it oh there'll be a picture in the show notes uh <laughs> you pray over it with an affiliate link <laughs> like, <Devil's> lord <laughs> redeem <laughs> this tower this, <laughs> this is the lord's tower uh it's just a giant column coming out of the ground and it's kind of creepy it's called the devil's tower but it's rock it's yeah it's man-made yeah, here, I'll talk and pull up the don't picture. Don't worry about it. I, okay. I don't no, care. No. I don't care. We yeah. don't. No, it's stupid. Don't worry. <laughs> um, this is no big deal, and this is taking no time at all, and there it is. Oh, cool. But like people rock climb it, too. It's kind of cool. Okay, um, so you were... You so, were yeah, we're, we're driving away wow, from there. Cool. It's like, you know, seven thirty-eight, and we get a call from his landlord, and she's like, hey, the house that you rented... There's mold and water damage, and it's going to cost a million billion dollars to fix, and you can't move in. And we're like, trailer full of stuff. That night, we're pulling in to unload, and we're just like, uh. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm flying back. Like, I'll see you later. Yeah, you like immediately thought about yourself. Yeah, like, I'm good. Right. No. Thankfully, I'm not moving out here. <laughs> Sucks with you, Dale. Um, but. Just through a crazy set of awesome circumstances, by the like 5 p.m. that day, he had signed another lease on the phone. We were going to go unload at like a way better, way just more awesome for their family house. And it was crazy. I just, I could only... I can't imagine. I could not even imagine being in that circumstance, but Dale is king of steadiness, level-headedness, and... We were we we got we got it all done. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. So it's kind of like this one time that uh, I was on the way to the beach with Dale. Oh, <laughs> and uh, we looked at the reservation for the Airbnb, and uh, it, it was never booked. So we like you know had the kids and everything, and all these families going to the beach, all the people that moved to Montana, and uh, and so we had to book another Airbnb. We were like almost there. So we got this like tiny little, you know, poor us on the beach, condo, whatever. But kind of similar, similar vibe. There's a theme. There, there's a certain feeling when the bottom drops out of like, oh, I don't have a place to stay. I can just imagine Dale getting off the phone where he's told that he doesn't have a place to live and just being like, well. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that about him. Oh, yeah. He was he was a total trooper. What did he say when he got off the phone? I think I inferred, and it was probably something along those lines of like, "Well, better tell Colby." 
And well, I think we tried to like we were trying to set some other stuff in motion, make sure that like the next few days or even the next month is taken care of because the landlord offered like an Airbnb uh to like keep them for like a month. Oh, so okay. There was a couple mm. there was some like middle ground solutions and so we were able to have some peace and then move forward and try to find a long-term option but yeah it was successful montana's cool um and i was really glad i got to go thank hey thank you you. go to that coffee shop with the pink linea for chance yeah do you have any coffee out there i saw the pink linea but i don't know how to say this it looked like like almost like a girly bakery thing i was walking past and i was like oh that's interesting and i just like kept going is that like a specialty shop do you know about it? I can't remember much about it. I just remember that at Pink Lenny and I got coffee there. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I feel like it was also <laughs> a dual, uh, dueled as a bourgeois studio. Yes. It said that on the front. I was like, oh, well, I'm not going in there. <laughs> wow. And you did go in there? I went to the coffee shop. Did you get a session? Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a session. Riley. Riley. Dang. Okay. Um, was it awkward? I didn't get a second. Okay, I, I got coffee at a place called Wild, and with a Y. I don't know. Okay, I just, we can only hope. I just sent that. We can only hope. Yeah. They cool vibe. Green paint, plywood furniture. I love plywood furniture. Can I just say that? Yeah, you can. I love plywood furniture. <laughs> it's kind of hard. Wow, I actually feel like really relieved. Being able to say that, say so it glad again. we could open that. Um, yeah, it's, I love plywood furniture. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Great, great spot. Big space. It was like comboed with a store, so um, I think that'll be those people's spot. Mm. So that's cool. Hey, why don't we jump into the meat and potatoes of the show? Wow, we're doing <laughs> call this back. old, call old back. style. Oh uh, well, maybe it would help if people understood the, our decision to go from one cafe to roastery to multiple cafes. Yeah, because cart to cafe is like a duh, like mm-hmm. no-brainer. Everybody wants a coffee shop. Mm. But then what makes you decide, I want another coffee shop. Mm. I want to roast my own coffee. Mm. Ro- Ross, <laughs> why? Why? Yeah, well... <clears throat> this it, is all your idea, so... Yeah, well, it starts... I mean, I guess for us, the main thing that drove us was uh, that we needed to do that, right? Like out of necessity, because the three of us are the owners, and owners. we've said it before on the program, but it is, it's one of the main things that still drives us today and has driven us through every part of the business, that we all wanted to be family men, you know, wife, kids, families check check you know, check check the whole that. the whole thing and we also yacht owners right so that's why we're in coffee um we also uh we were cool with this being our careers you know for the next while epoch for the next epoch um what is it is like a star wars creature dude i thought just, epoch was like a hood you're gonna need to look that up All okay right. um but the listeners know we have a very intelligent listenership Anyways, um, it was it, we wanted it to be our career, and we knew that okay, we're gonna have to try to make a, a serviceable living to support families off of this. 
And, you know, you just reach a certain point where you do the math and you're like, okay, can one coffee shop support three coners? Talking co-owners. That's right. And also, uh, like that, it it maybe could, uh, but we also, a, a huge value of ours was we want to be able to give awesome, talented people long-term careers in the coffee industry. Mm-hmm. And what you can infer there is if all three of us were managing the cafe, one, that's probably just too many cooks in the kitchen anyways. But if, if all three of us were doing that, then we wouldn't have any thing to delegate. It w- it's, it's too simple of an operation uh, to do that. So, you know, maybe you could have done more of the back-end marketing financial side of things that you're doing now. But um, scaling the company has allowed us to give opportunities to people that want careers in the coffee industry. And we're kind of like still in the phase of growth, you know, kind of putting the cart before the horse, taking on some debt, you know, trying to be positioned in a direction that will lead to a more sustainable financial picture for all of us. But those Seven are some years later. Yeah. Yeah. We'll document the the story on the pod, but uh, that's, that's why that's why we scaled. And, and for you listening, I know a lot of you are starting coffee shops, you're starting coffee carts. And I think we talked about this in the, one of the Q and A's where we talked about operating agreements and uh, vesting schedules and stuff like that. But one of the most important things you need to do is what is, what is this business? What is this business going to, what role is it going to play in my life? Mm-hmm. Because if it's going to be your career, you'll treat that business differently. You'll scale it differently. You'll put different leaders in different positions accordingly to that. If the business is just going to be like a, a side thing, um, you know, I know a lot of people who have, they, they open a coffee shop later in life after they've already been in an established career for a while. And so they're not looking to be the daily manager of the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. They're not looking to grow, you know, multiple ca- cafes, a roastery and a cart and everything. Um, so that's the first thing you need to do is decide where are we headed? What, what are my hopes for the next 15 years or so? Um, and once you answer that question, then it, let's, let's say you answer that question. What are some of the avenues you could take? On that, I see just it's, it's easy to look at it and say, you know, oh, I'm just one owner, so why do I need to go? It, it might sound like we're saying, you know, if you're just one owner, keep, keep to one coffee shop because you don't need to go beyond that. But that's where the why for you individually comes in because even if you are just one owner, maybe you want to have a management staff of 30 people. Obviously, you can't do that with uh, one cafe. So that would be the reason that you would need to scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of one of my thought processes was a big motivation or an encouragement too for growth was that vision and mission of valor to uplift people through coffee and to provide um, top 1% experience for like service and product. And when I felt after three or so years in Alpharetta that we could do that again and replicate that, 
And I don't know if this is borderline savior complex. Sorry. But like share that with another city in another area and like be the same light that we are in Alpharetta to another city. I was yeah, like, I think that's a little selfish. Ethan. That's a little selfish. And for that, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I was like, that is really cool. That is really cool that we can. It's it's a slow, methodical next week um, <laughs> move to like make the same impression that we've made in Alpharetta on another city. I'm like that. That is a big motivating factor. Knowing that if we decide to grow again, it will only be a positive benefit to the community that we are putting a business in. Yeah, and that's really cool. That's really great that we're in that line of work. You know, where if we are somewhere, it's like a a blessing to a city. Yeah, and two people that have been faithfully working at a company that we can like offer growth to. Because I think, as you were saying, like if you want, if you're really enjoying someone on your team, they can't really move up into any sort of management role if you got three owners kind of crowding the the C-suite, if you will. And the payroll. And the payroll, if you will. Yeah. I will. Which we've always, we've always taken the least amount of money that we possibly can to make the business prosper. Because we have the long game in mind. Um, like when we first started taking money from the company, we all made different amounts of money because our business was so fragile at that point that we were like, how can we just minimize payroll in every way possible as much as possible? And then, I mean, how long were we in that phase? I feel like it was a long time. It was probably a year, bro. Yeah. And I, to be fair, the three or four years before that, we were just making nothing. Yeah. So I went from zero to like your wife had a job. Yeah. My wife basically didn't because she was in school. And then, so it was like I needed to make a little more than you did. Ethan still didn't make any money because he had another job where he would just come and help on his lunch break, pretty much. <laughs> and then one, I think once he started, we all switched to making the same amount of money. Yeah, and we had to have a tremendous amount of trust in each other and also our aligned vision to be able to do that. Yeah. And, it, and we did. Like, we, we, I know we had our, our dramas at times oh. and our frustrations and, and all that stuff. And that's all behind us. That would never happen ever again. But, uh, but we, we were aligned in our vision. And it was like, we are going to open a cafe, probably multiple cafes. And I don't even know if we were into roasting at that point yet. But let's talk about that. Like, there's a lot of people that I talk to in wholesale or just in the industry that own cafes or run cafes. And they're like, yeah, eventually we'll roast one day. And I wonder if we could either a give those people our story and why we decided to do that. Did we think it's worth it? What are some avenues to do that? Yeah. So that being option one for ways to scale is roasting. Yeah. It's interesting because it seems like it makes the most sense for a cafe who's established themselves. They have built a customer base goodwill in the community to take that step and say, all right, this product is going to be my own. The reality is the, and it's kind of the thesis of the coffee industry in general, the upfront cost far outweighs the money you're going to make for the foreseeable future. 
or maybe quote unquote save because that might be some people's mindset is like if I For roast sure. my own coffee, yeah, I'll save money. Exactly, and you know maybe that is the truth in a, in a sense, but it's kind of with anything you have to you have to look at it and say. You know, for us over here, uh, I remember. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go off for a second. Uh oh. When you're buckle in with label printers, okay. If you're talking about, uh, it's funny because that's within the roasting operation, but this is a completely different subject. With label printers, you have five hundred dollar label printers, and then the next jump is buying a two thousand dollar label printer, and then the next jump is buying a ten thousand dollar label printer. And when I ran that math to see, you know the speed of the $10,000 label printer, like how good it is, how many labels are we going to need to print off of that to make that $10,000 price worth it. And at the time when we were in the market for one, it was going to be years, like seven years was what it was going to take for it to be worth it to buy that $10,000 label printer. So we bought the $2,000 label printer. Is it over there? Yes. And you have to consider those sorts of things with roasting as well. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going, if you're looking at buying a Loring and it's a hundred thousand dollars and your focus is, I want to roast my own coffee and like, that's your framework, then it's going to take you a lifetime or I want to save <laughs> of money. savings. Yeah, yeah. Of the sa- savings you're going to have on your individual product to justify that huge expense or on the flip side maybe you're like i want to get into roasting so i can roast coffee for my cafe you take the totally small game maybe like a whatever five kilo ambex or something and you can hook it up in your own cafe space or somewhere like kind of off grid but then you want to get into wholesale and you can't scale at all and you have to kind of like reset Mm -hmm. you know so knowing what your vision is for why do you want to get into roasting would help you create that picture of how how nice and how big of equipment do I want to invest in to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah, we, we always wanted to get into wholesale with our roasting operation. I don't think we ever embraced the, the mentality of, like, let's make our own coffee for our own coffee shop. And the the game of wholesale is is tough when you're starting off as a roaster. Uh, I don't know if we'll get into it today, but uh, just the amount of hours and resources you have to put into it whenever your brand is so small. Because brand and wholesale, brand recognition and wholesale is so important. Um, it's one reason why we're doing this podcast right now. Uh, instead of just you know cold calling people and... I'm not not hating on cold calls either, but um, why are you cold calling hating right now? Yeah, I'm not. So just, saying. but uh, but your brand is so small that it takes a while, and it was kind of fine that it took a while for us because we were sharing someone else's roaster. You know, we were we were toll roasting with another uh, another coffee shop, so you know we we would load up the the Honda Civic every week with all the green coffee and roast once or twice a week at someone else's space and pay them per pound or whatever the arrangement was. Um, and so the margin is worse, but hey, at least you have a coffee brand that is going to take time to build. But you can you can do that because you don't have all this money 
tied up in assets like a roaster or like overhead like the roastery you're just using someone else's space so i think the i think the way we went about it is the way that i would recommend for most people if you're really if you really want to get into roasting then i would recommend renting space uh renting the roaster heck even getting the people that work at that roastery to roast the coffee for you you know just put your brand on it um, as you learn how to roast, pay the roaster at that place to teach you how to roast. Um, I mean, how, how I remember like when we were, we first started roasting, we were debating like, who's going to be the roasting guy. And I like, we were trying to figure out what are our roles going to be for the next however many years. And mm-hmm. I remember you guys went to Charleston to one of our green importers, Balzac brothers to learn how to roast on which what roaster did they have? Probat. Probat, which is was similar kilo. similar yeah. to what we were roasting on at the time. But you need to pick the the person that's gonna head that up. And that ended up being you, Riley. So uh do you have it, it all goes back to to what the owners want to do. Do you want to get into roasting? Because you're probably it's probably not a good idea to like hire some expensive roaster to roast it for you Mm -hmm. um you'll probably have to learn it yourself because the margin's just not there yeah and then the how beyond that like you were saying wholesale is a hard game because your competitors it's just like anything you know why why doesn't a guy in his garage start a car company because like his competition far outweighs him you know so your competitors, even just in the specialty coffee market, have so much, vastly more money than you do to market their product, uh, to show face to coffee shops around the country, to set up training labs in every city that you just simply aren't going to have. So if you are going to choose that path, then you're, <laughs> it's it's not, trust us, we, we know from experience, it's not going to work for you just to send samples to people. It's it's going to fail because you're going to have a white label bag, you know, like a white bag with a label on it. You're going to send samples. Even if the coffee's pretty good, that on the shelf next to this roaster's Onyx box, it's it's just not going to happen for you. So that's where if you are going to go on that trajectory, you have to really press into the relational side of things. And, you know, in your community, who are the people that you're friends with who own other coffee shops and uh, restaurants and so on and so forth who might want to serve your product and help you you know, kickstart with a little bit of volume. Yeah. And relationships are such a long play too, because if you're starting a relationship for wholesale purposes, it's just a not going to pan out. And then B, a lot of your relationships don't need that. So there's, we ate, we ate a lot of slices of humble pie. I remember in our first like times thinking about projections and how much we're going to wholesale and who's going to wholesale we're like making lists like oh yeah they're going to they're going to use our coffee oh these people yeah they're going to use our coffee and then you know you send the samples and i haven't heard back from them Uh, maybe maybe some maybe the package got lost in shipment or something but yeah i mean it does just kind of take a long time to a get better is because that's a big part of it is that we just got better at roasting coffee buying coffee sourcing coffee um, and then developing our profiles, developing like our, our brand identity. Um, and then along those years, because we're 
in the community and we're working, we're just also building relationships. And so, you know, years after we've started roasting is when we're like seeing some fruit of like, oh yeah, we've known this person for years. Oh, they're doing the th- they're doing a thing and they want to use our coffee. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, but it it's usually not right out of the gate. So when that's what a good point you said is um maybe don't just, you know, hire a $70,000 a year roaster to run your roasting program because or salesperson. Or salesperson because it's it's going to take some years to get off the ground. Yep. Um or, you know, or it's a little faster. And, and in that's the beginning, awesome. your cafe is going to be the best lead generator you have. Yeah, that's so true. Your your cafe is definitely like your ambassador for that coffee. And yep. you're putting it on display for probably hundreds of people a day. So making sure that whatever's happening in the cafe is happening at a, a premium tier, an S tier, if you will, uh, is very, very important. Another thing about the roasting side of things is you've got your wholesale side of your roasting operation and then you've got your direct-to-consumer e-commerce side of your operation. And the margin when you when you sell, when we sell one bag of free throw online direct-to-consumer, our margin on that is way better than if we sold, let's just keep it for round numbers, one bag to a wholesale customer because the wholesale customer obviously is going to mark that up and sell it again. So they have to buy it at a cheaper price. You're selling less units overall. You're selling less of cheaper units overall to e-commerce customers, but you're making a better profit margin. And then with wholesale, it's harder to get that customer and you're, but you're selling more product, so you're going to have like a higher gross spend mm-hmm. per transaction, but the margin is way worse. So you weigh all of that, and you're like, okay, it's harder to acquire a wholesale customer. It's easier to acquire an e-commerce customer, but and, and the profit margin's better with e-commerce, but we're making less overall, so we got to get a lot of them. So you got the balance of those two things, and... I think the thing we've learned overall is just like invest your energy into making a good brand identity and good relationships. Hmm. And that, that takes, that takes you a long way. Um, even before you get into sales or anything like that. Yeah. Those are great things to consider when considering roasting. How about, uh, the consideration of opening cafe number two for some people? Yeah. Well, I think this is where you get into like how many times have have we gone to someone's second or third or fifth location and it just kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not inspiring. There's not much of a culture there and like yeah, they've maybe got good branding and good visuals, but that's kind of it. Maybe the product is like pretty good. They had like a little more money to do the build out than last time. Yeah. Yeah. And that was our our biggest fear, worst potential nightmare with opening our second cafe is like, okay, we have more money to spend on the build out this time. It's going to be a bigger space. We're going to have a mod bar instead of a used espresso machine uh, in our first cafe. But is it still going to be magical? Yeah. And is it still going to make people feel 
the way that Alpharetta, our first location, makes them feel. And so um, that's where you get into like, how do you bottle up what you did in your first location and replicate that or scale it? Mm-hmm. And we talk about it all the time, but having a framework for your culture, aka mission, vision, and values, those are the framework of our culture. Meaning, a culture is an intangible thing based off of people and their temperaments and behaviors and, and leadership styles and all these things. But how do you hire people and how do you onboard people and how do you sustain those employees while turnover is happening? So you got new people coming through all the time. How do you push all of those moving variables in one direction called you know, culture, like where you want to be? Mm-hmm. And that's mission, vision, and values. That's how we communicate these intangible things that we value and make us who we are. And so I think if you don't have that, it's going to be really hard to make your second cafe or your third cafe or however many good. Yeah. Because you're just like your cafe will always just be a representation of who's the leader and who are the people that work there. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter if you have a nice espresso machine. It doesn't matter if you have nice fancy coffee. It doesn't matter if your build out looks good. The people are what run all of that. They will mess up your good coffee, though they won't clean your espresso machine, and they won't mop. You know, like, so all the cool things that you did as an owner with good intentions all ride on the backs of people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the framework to inspire those people, to hire the right people, to get to fire the people that don't need to be there, then it won't go anywhere. So, and let alone like, you have to lead by example too. Um, you have to keep the framework of your culture, your mission, vision, and values more than anyone. So we've struggled with that over the years. And we've, I feel like it's one of our stronger things that we have. Culture. Yeah. We're not perfect at it, but um, that. We fight really hard to maintain it. And yeah. That's a big part of it is if you don't take it seriously, then it will fall to the wayside, you know? Yeah. Do you think that just like mediocre coffee shops, mediocre specialty coffee shops that kind of have like a black culture can make it? Like mm. what if you just didn't care that much about culture and you had money and you had fancy coffee? Do we want to speak perfectly candidly on this podcast? Uh, ideally, yeah. I want to be dishonest. I'm kidding. Uh, look at Revelator, man. They had all the money in the world and the reach to buy other companies and create insanely beautiful cafes. Yeah. But when that's what you ride on and you don't bring any other substantial, because that's the thing. It's all, it's all about what value do you bring to customers? I hate to get just like super basic marketing here but if you aren't bringing value to your customers other than just another coffee shop across the street from another coffee shop then what what do you expect you know yeah well i think that this is a devil's advocate point because i literally just made this opposite point but the value that 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 they or someone like them could bring is like 
a nice space with nice seats. Yeah. And the, it all looks cool. Mm-hmm. And the baristas aren't nice, but the coffee is going to taste like kind of good. And they've got outlets and Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So like... But I, as soon as there's another place across the street that has all of that as well, plus baristas that are kind of nice... Yeah. Then... Yeah, I guess those kinds of places just... Especially because even when you have all that money, you also have the amount of money to look at an operation and be like, this isn't viable. We're just going to close it down. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because that's all <clears throat> coffee shops, for being real. You know. What do you mean? Like $500,000 for build-out costs, which is realistically what a lot of people should expect on a 2,000-square-foot space that isn't going to be completely bootstrapped and is going to be like kind of nice. $500,000 for a million in top line revenue in a year is not good numbers at all. Uh, That is a really, really bad, I don't know what you want to call it, cost to income ratio or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like if a million, that would be a busy, that's a busy cafe, a million dollars a year. Uh, A million a year in top line revenue chop that all down, call it 15% net profit if you're doing really good in your first year. That's $150,000. $150,000 profit in your first year for $500,000 in build-out costs means you're not recouping for like over three years. And in terms of business strategy, those are really really poor numbers. So I've been pretty convicted about this lately. You've got to like really love the coffee industry to get into the coffee industry. That's where passion comes in. Yeah. And there are, it, it's easy to be passionate about specialty coffee because it's amazing. I'm not saying you can't do a coffee shop for $100,000. I'm going to say it's near impossible. You mean like build out? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 2019, we built out a coffee shop for $120. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll call it 120 to 150 because we had so much gear from our cart that we used. Yeah. So, you know, today, it's I, I would say it's nearly impossible to get under two hundred. Um, but even still, like talking about that framework, if you if you can if you can build out a coffee shop for two hundred thousand dollars and make a million in your first year, then sure, go for it. You uh, you're getting close to recouping costs to open in yeah. a year. But doing a million your first year is highly unlikely. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe if you're in Times Square. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, I was talking to uh, our friend Jennings, wholesale manager now at uh, Methodical, and he was talking about the change in expectation in the coffee industry, and I really do see it starting to turn a tide of, you had the third wave, which is like, does this place have good coffee? And we've heard Cat and Cloud and other people talking about this fourth wave of like coffee and service. I think that's really starting to become the metric. You know, is like, do people treat you well at a space? And it's like a really funny low bar that we've been like blown out of the water for a long time. But I think it's cool that it's starting to catch up. And it's like, not only is it good coffee and is it good service, but like what makes you special or how are you innovating the industry? And I think your point is pretty valid and like, you know, you can have all the bells and whistles, but at some point, someone's going to come along and yeah. just do something better. Maybe in the beginning of the third wave, it would have worked, yeah. or it did work. Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. But, no, I mean, 
what you're saying with the multi-cafe process is like all you're doing is creating a lot more overhead, mm-hmm. you know? And if you're not very confident in your model, that's going to fall on your head. Mm. That's a business term. And back, Fall on your head? <clears throat> you're going to fall on your head. Back to uh, what the owners want and their vision, their personal vision for what they want in their work. Like, Ethan, your role has changed a lot since we've grown, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when we had one cafe, you were the daily ops main leader called head coach. And COO, yeah. Sure. Um, can't you... Okay, can we just take a quick pit stop here? The whole, like, CEO, CFO, COO, I feel like people love to take those titles in really small companies, and I don't think it's damaging to anyone if they take them. But isn't it like the whole name of like chief executive officer that like there's like other executive officers and you're the chief of, of uh, over them, a bo- the board, yeah. uh, like the chief financial. And so you have like a whole financial department under you and it, don't call yourself the CEO funny. if your company has less than 50 people. That's kind of my metric. <laughs> I just think it's funny. And I know what people are trying to do. They're trying to like, legitimize yeah i love it but it's just funny anyways so your role has gone from like the daily ops of 44 milton and alpharetta Mm -hmm. to like we've established leaders there we've got head coach we have operations coordinator that run that cafe and then same in dunwoody we have a head coach and operations coordinator basically just manager and assistant manager over there and your new job is to lead those leaders. Mm-hmm. And that's what scaling sometimes, most of the time, needs to look like. Is like if, and we fought this, right? So, like, Ethan, you're way more inclined to just do the work that needs to be done that you see in front of you. Yep. And that's one of your best traits. Mm-hmm. You've been in the retail side of the company since we started. Because mm-hmm. that is also just where you shine. You're moving into this role where <clears throat> your job is no longer to run cafes. Your job is to inspire leaders to run cafes mm-hmm. that you're not running. Because mm-hmm. someone's got to be there for those leaders. Yep. And that that's something we've talked about for years and years. So this is a long lead up to that point that we're at now. But you should consider that. Like, do is, is that something I want to be doing? Right. Yeah. And yeah, is it? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, we've yeah, talked yeah. about it a lot in our situation, but I'm I'm saying for listeners, if you want to scale, do you really? Because if you have two or three cafes, you're probably just going to be doing computer work, man. Like a lot of time, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be do, mostly just, you know, like less hands on, and is that enticing? you or is the reason you're starting a coffee shop is because you want to be at your coffee shop working yeah that's fine if you do and that's great i think a lot a lot of people do yeah and that's where a lot of businesses stay you've kind of said that like you kind of want to do that sometimes yes yeah it's a it's a awesome space to be in and there's a way to like lead from the front lines but when you have multiple entities, the most helpful thing for me isn't just to like go 
make coffee at both cafes all day. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think I think we might be sounding uh, very negative towards scaling in this program, but clearly we have scaled our business some. And the you know point being, it can work and it can make you more money overall because that's why we have done it. Because it, there comes a threshold. You know, we're talking about. Uh, our willingness to take less money so that the company can be better structured in the long run. Yeah. There comes a, you know, we can't be doing that until we're 40 years old. Like, there, there comes a point, and, you know, we're getting there largely right now. I think, like, I just saw a metric is, like, 99% of Americans can't afford a house right now. And, like, we're, we're all feeling that because, like, you know, we're in technical terms for our roles in a company of this side, pro- pro- size probably underpaid, but, like, We've made that bed because of the things we're trying to put in, in place as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So answering the question, are we going to become the next Starbucks? You know, like people ask that all the time, right, Ethan? And oh, Dude, they do all the time. No, no. What I, is their average age? Stop. They, it could be young, old, maybe a I'm gonna three-year-old. Guess 47 is the average age. Okay. Well, the, the whole perception is like, gosh. I, I guess I, it is all my Frisbee friends. All right, fine. All right. But they're in their 30s. Oh, gosh, I saw Valor at Whole Foods, and you guys had a line out the door. And, man, Valor's, Valor's everywhere. Valor's popping. I even saw it on my vacation in, in who knows where. where and people they vacation must be, so far? must be everywhere, you know. And I was in Dallas, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that yesterday. I was in Dallas, Georgia. Hey, there you go. The best coffee shop in Dallas, Georgia. Good place. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Best place. I'm sorry. She said good place. Um, yeah, I know. That's fine. Um, so where was I going with that? Okay, yeah. But the, the thing we've always said is we will grow as big and as fast as we possibly can while maintaining our mission, vision, and values. So that's a huge caveat. Like... It sounds funny to be like, let's grow as big and fast as we possibly can. That's what we want to do as long as we are maintaining our mission, vision, and values. Because our mission, vision, and values, the framework for our culture, is what got us to where we are today and is what will continue to sustain us no matter how big we get. Mm-hmm. And also, the economy super matters, too. <laughs> like the yeah, cha- One of the places we were looking at, uh, cafe number two, being at... Ethan sends an article yesterday, and it's just like every bit, every bit of that landlord's stuff uh, is being foreclosed upon. Yeah, and we were like, "All right, glad <laughs> that didn't work out." Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the economy matters, and the changing tide in construction and build-out costs. Like we, I don't know if I, I, I guess I'll say it. We could not open another cafe right now, even if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Because of, I mean, maybe we could. It just won't be wise. Yeah, like because of the economy, because of how expensive it is, because of how quickly that all happened, we have no choice but to hunker down on what we already have. Yeah, and that's that. That is us growing as big and fast as we possibly can while maintaining our our mission, vision, and values. Yeah, and I don't want to stay on the negative side too much, but we ha- I think we've talked about this a little bit, but coffee really is a like commodity luxury for the community. And so a lot of times I feel like it takes <clears throat> sorry, I'm getting choked up. It takes uh like a real estate developer or a biz like a 
building owner to like really um, subsidize or like want a coffee shop to be somewhere to like make that happen. You know, we coffee shops don't often play like the high roller big anchor tenant anchor big dog tenant in a space it's like okay we got this awesome restaurant we got this real estate office we, we got, got a little coffee shop firm, and then like can we just like give a little slice to a coffee shop so everybody can 600 get coffee? square feet they don't need much and it, the amount of times we got pitched that and it's kind of legit because like that's what we can afford then we look at the numbers and we're like oh can you help us out on ti even more yeah. but um yeah, I mean, like, a, can you get Ti to move closer to where our cafe is at? You know, yeah, like where is Ti and how can we get them in our cafe? Like rubber band man, yeah, <laughs> Ti. Yeah. So there is just like a, and I think that's still it doesn't make it illegitimate business and it can still be a viable model. I think when you're considering scaling, you do really have to just know what you're getting into and be like, is this. Just because we're going to start making more money in total, does that mean the bottom line or like the the final net profit is that going to uh, be any bigger, or is it like we just have more overhead and more stuff? But I will say I have been pleasantly surprised with having a second cafe. How there hasn't been a lot of like. Oh, I'm here and I have to go here and oh, there's this. Like, there's problems everywhere. I don't know where to go. And I think that's in credit to a couple of things. We have an amazing team, amazing leadership. And I think we learned a lot and applied a, apply, applied a lot that we learned to our second cafe through buying better equipment, better layout, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Because um, we had some like crazy stuff go wrong in our first cafe. We like all the time. And we only had like, we've only had like mid level crazy stuff go wrong. Some occasional flooding. Nothing crazy. <laughs> yeah. Some occasional power outages. Occasional. It's all occasional. I think that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. I like that. Oh. I'll just leave that there. Oh, the good place is the TV show. Yeah, you that's love that. Yeah. You're, about, you're binging I was about that Kristen last night. Bell and, uh, what is it? Oh, I was going to say Paul Dano. What's that guy's name? Dak Shepard. No. Uh, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Thank you. Ted Danson. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. I don't know, man. You, you're always talking about cheers, and you don't know Ted Danson? Yeah, like, we're like cheers. I know, like, the concept of cheers, <laughs> like the like the epoch. I've heard that, you talk more about cheers than anyone else I know. And I don't even talk about and it And you don't much. even know who Ted Danson is. Okay, now you're going to tell me you don't know about Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about Fraser. <laughs> I don't know anything about these or anyone named Fraser. Guys, right. are we going to move on to our coffee review? Coffee review? Yes, we are. The coffee that we haven't said anything about this whole time. Dun, 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 dun. Well, it's because we were so nervous to talk about it. Oh, because yes. it's so crazy. <laughs> we got this coffee from one of our awesome wholesale partners. If you want to send us coffee, send us coffee. Yeah, we need more coffee. Yeah, we we have this coffee review segment. Info at valor.coffee or at Valor Coffee Pod on Instagram, and we'll send you our address. Yep. Yes, so the the brand is Servant Coffee. Got a little, what is that, a, a, a ram? A bighorn? A sheep? A matterhorn? A goat on the, on the uh, little logo here. On a mountain peak. Yep, from Denver. Uh... Solid bag. Um, this solid bag. Thank you, Zach McClenathan, Aviator Coffee. Is there a QR code? 
<laughs> yeah, any QR code. There's some nice, mm. nice, uh, some texture on the side there. There's some, some textures, gold some, foiling. Some you got to pay for that. Hey, that costs money, yo. Um, we're drinking the Flourish Craft Blend. I will say for our bougie standards, I'm already a little, I'm a little on edge because they didn't put the coffee on there. Ooh, I'm on edge. But maybe if you go to their website, it would break down what's in it. I'll attempt. If you do that, it would be really fun to have us guess what it is because we've been drinking this coffee for the last hour. Uh, I like the you know the 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 consistent coloring. You know, you just have that like copper and dark blue color. It looks like they paid a branding agency. That's that's is giving branding agency vibes. And does it initial who roasted it? M A. Yeah, I like that personal I touch. Like, yeah, they do have a gold sharpie. No dice. No, there's dice. I want you guys to take a guess at what this two two bean blend is. Do we? I mean, this is there an Ethiopia in there? Yes, I washed Ethiopia. I'm I'm not gonna say you have to guess. Well, I'm gonna guess I washed Ethiopia and a Burundi. Okay, washed Ethiopia and washed Ethiopia. You're the closest. Oh, natural Ethiopia, natural Ethiopia. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll be honest, I wasn't getting a lot of uh, natty, natty Bro, action. They're, they have a recipe section on their website, and it says EK43 grinder setting. <laughs> Whoa. Which is such an arbitrary <laughs> uh, number to give hey. someone, but it, it's 0. 0.5, just so you know. Very good. Well, for I did espresso. 0. 0.1, and it still kind of gushed, but... Mm. <laughs> Case 19 in 52 in to 53 grams out and 32 to 33 seconds is what and water. Water is so different. Like that? I was doing I a 19 know. maybe they they've got like burlock on. Yeah, wow. Uh, they, got BL. they got BL on that. Yeah. Um, all right, how about content on this packaging? Name, title. What are we ranking? You want me read? I'll read the back. Okay. Serving Coffee is passionate about our coffee and who it serves. From coffee farms to your living room, we value every connection along the way. Our inspired belief is that when we serve each other well, all of our lives are enriched. Let us serve you. Wow. Mm -hmm. We will. Thank you for serving us. All right. Content out of 10. One, two, three, five. Two, Two, Ross. Three and a half. You went straight sab, dog. Yeah, it doesn't say what the coffee is. Does that hurt your feelings? I just don't feel seen. You don't feel seen? No, I, I, I just need I need a origin country, at least, on there. Agreed. <clears throat> I like that it says Denver roasted. We're always fans of that. I do like that. Um, the, the bottom says, what does it say? If serving others is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Yep. I like the message. Don't like the off-topic nature of that statement on a coffee bag, but... Well, your name's Servant. That's true, but it just it's like a its a statement about leadership and, and coffee, you know? I hear you. Hey, man. All right, what's next? Ooh, next up we yep. have Aesthetic. Aesthetic. Out of 10? Out of 10. All right. One... Two, three, six. six. Hey, okay. dialed, dialed, dialed. What's not calibrated is this camera that just shut off because I never plugged it in. Ooh, Hold. Ooh. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. UX out of 
five. One, two, three, five. Five. Perfect UX. I mean, it's it's it worked. I it's mean, the, safe. The bag worked, man. No problems. Uh, yeah, it's great, dude. Did you did you watch the coffee review of the last week's? No, I didn't make it that far. You gotta. It's the highest scoring coffee we've ever done. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, I think because uh, we were talking about it. Yeah, right. How about the crunch? Let's get some beans in our mouth. Oh. <laughs> ASMR, baby. Wait, we need a we need two, just two anonymous beans. That one looks like a. I'll do three just in case. I think the looks like some scorching there, tipping. Ready? All right, crunch oh. out of five. One, <laughs> two, three, one. Two. All okay. right, one point five. Doesn't taste like. The coffee. Yeah. Well, actually, I'll hold on the back end. Um, you want to go three then? Do, do three. Come on. Okay. okay. Flavor out of 10. Um, flavor is objective. Yeah, just the, the quality of the flavor, I suppose. One, two, three, Five. six. That's good coffee. Good coffee, simple. It was better on espresso. I don't know. Did you feel like anything was off when you were making the pour over? Because no, I did it perfect. Oh, right. Yeah. No, no, I think it was a good pour over. I, I, there's not much com- much complexity to this coffee, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but yeah, the cappuccino was good. Cappuccino was good, which is kind of fun. I, I was thinking about it while we were um, making this that we used to hold the philosophy that. Fruity, floral, lighter coffees are bad with milk. Like, and maybe that was more me. And I would like say that if someone wanted a funky espresso uh, in a milk drink. But doing this coffee review over and over again, if it's the right, like bright, light coffee, it's great. It's just different. Mm. I remember the, the first fruity cappuccino I ever had was at Methodical Coffee in Greenville. Dude, save it for next week. Yeah, Stop talking. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> All right, move Enjoyability on. out of 10. One, two, three, four. Six? Sure. Six. Yeah, I mainly yeah. gave that because the cappuccino was good. Yeah, the espresso was pretty good. And then, yeah, I mean, maybe we should just try some different recipes or something while we're, we're finished working through this bag. But the way it showed up in the pour-over was just a little... Not not a lot of flat. action, a little flat, but which I, I which I need pop out of a two bean natty. Ethiopia natty blend. All right, twenty eight out of fifty. All right, That's thank a, you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. And serving coffee. Still, I'd say you know an above average, oh yeah, good easy drinking coffee. We'll, Serviceable. We'll be, brew, we'll be brewing this coffee again. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to see what we can get out of it on the. Uh, we'll try a different brewing device. Maybe the next level pulsar. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, thank you guys again. We're honored to do this. Yeah, send us coffee. We'll take it. Send us coffee. Send us questions. Send us uh, good vibes. Hugs. If you send me like a shirt, I'll wear it. You know. Oh yeah. New send segment. A shirt. That's Thanks. a promise. Any shirt someone sends, if you're still, if you've made it this far in the program, like if you know those bumper stickers of like the kid peeing on stuff. 
Like if someone sent you a shirt <laughs> with is, that. If it is not like vulgar or hyper political. No, too, too late. You already you already no, said I, if, I, you, I, if you send me a shirt, I'll wear it. You promised. I wanna I want I wonder if they have shirts of like Trump and Biden like in a boxing match, you know. Well, yeah. there's no like political affiliation with that. It's just like Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'd, Trump and Biden fighting. Yeah, I mean like caricatures of them. I'd do that. Okay. Yeah, like pro the democratic election process. Yeah, it's like, hey. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a stance. Well, that's also pro <laughs> that's the two-party system. Yeah. And I don't think You're I'm very pro you the two-party system. You're just saying you love the two-party system. You can't. <laughs> maybe, wow. yeah, maybe it'd be like more of a mob fight in the ring and like Jill Stein's there for the Green Party. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's, a, who's a libertarian? Well, was that guy Gary? Gary Johnson. Gary, Gary Johnson. Johnson. My wife voted for him. Rand yep. Paul. Rand Paul's there. Ron Paul. Uh, <laughs> they're all just... <laughs> In a boxing match, <laughs> everybody's like, <laughs> Bernie's okay. like suplexing from the ceiling. It's like a Marvel poster. Yeah, we could make some money off of that, dude. Well, yeah, someone, we should make a Marvel poster of coffee figures. Like who, who, who is would be on, on that? It? Who's who's Thanos? Who's hmm. Thanos? Starbucks, dude. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of like James Hoffman, et cetera. But they're the good guys, like Matt Perger and James Hoffman. They're, those are like the Iron Man and Captain America of the group. And then you, it kind of splits from there. We're around. We need, we need people in the coffee industry to put on some more muscle to, yeah, uh, to make an Avengers. What's up with that? That's our next podcast episode. Is like Bulking up the coffee industry. Dude, I saw the most niche crap I have ever seen recently. I don't know if I told you guys about it, but it was like a someone. It's funny because I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to do something good, and niche content is a good thing. But it was this video that was like hip mobility for coffee roasters. And I <laughs> was like, that is the single. Oh, like here's exercises you can yes. do. I was like, that is the single most niche video of any topic I've ever seen. I think a video about hip mobility in general would already be niche. It might not have been. It, I think it was hip mobility. It might not not have been. But even just like workouts for coffee roasters what was is the a premise? very niche. Like for lifting coffee bags? Yeah. I so, thought, oh, wow. What, like what was what was the premise? I like I didn't is watch the video. I just saw it. You just saw the video. We yeah. didn't watch it. Yeah. On what site? Were you on Click clock or something? Uh, another roaster. <laughs> on social? Another roaster posted it on their Instagram. You on story. Rumble? About how it was funny? No. Like, you on Bumble? Like, this is cool. I think it was a collaborative thing that they did with this person. And again, I get it, and I think it's cool. I just think it's extremely, extremely niche. Sure. And I had to screenshot it and put it on my close friends and be like, I just said this is the most niche content I've ever seen. Wow, because yeah. it's true. Well, I I say if you want. You know, a workout while you're roasting coffee, just just drop down, and do some push-ups. You're a big push-up, and then your hands get dirty. You got only well, got to wash them. Well, you could put on gloves. Put on a new set of gloves every time you do push-ups. There's lots of options here that we could explore for the rest of this program. I mean, you get some adjustable dumbbells over there next to the no, no, roaster. No. I got these things at Goodwill, where you you know like the we're done the rotating done. like rotating push-up handles. Oh, yeah. So you could get those, mm -hmm. disinfect them. Oh, there you go. And just use that for <laughs> yep. your push-ups. Perfect. That way you wouldn't have to wash your hands after. Guys, what's your disinfectant of choice? Well, I, I don't like... I, we have a clean household because my wife's super crunchy. Right. So I guess like thieves. <laughs> Dude, we're going to sell a uh, push-up turning 
kit with thieves and reusable gloves. Bro, I've got Mr. Clean disinfectant. See, I do not have a clean household, Dude, but I, f- I do have a clean household because that <laughs> that shit like kills all Dude, of bacteria. It's called Mr. Clean, bro. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I got bleach, and I'm just like... Put it on everything? Yeah, I put bleach on everything, dude. Dude, how's that working Food. for you? Yeah. Well, All right, this is going off the rails. Uh, see the bonus episode for the continuation of this. I'm just kidding. Uh, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Bye. Love you.